I told you that when you are trying to change the company culture, there's always one person, there's a group that think that they are immune to the change that you are making. I was at some point that iceberg, right? I remember the first job I mentioned this working for CP and I thought, I'm not replaceable. I'm so important to this project. Guess what? The whole project is not important compared to all the other projects going on with the company. Had to learn that the hard way. Hey, everybody's replaceable. The company does not own you, but at the same time, it does not owe you. Back in 2006, we had this great idea of starting a digital marketing agency in VASP. We had no idea what our journey would look like and how our company would grow. In a turn of events, as if we weren't busy enough, a couple of years ago, we launched our SaaS company, ThickPie. Two companies run by a husband-wife team and stretched thin. Our life is crazier than ever. Join us every week on Boot Trapped, where we talk about running our two companies, the ups, the downs, and the lessons we learn along the way. Another week of being bootstrapped. I add, how are you doing? How has it been? We did not record last week. So we are, what, 14 days, uh, 14 days of updates to give to our listeners. But let's get started, Ayat. How has it been? Been up and down. You win some, you lose some. That's just the nature of business. So it's uh, always a fun journey. We actually had a couple of nice kickoffs, excited about those projects. I always find it exciting when it's like, like a new type of company, a different industry that maybe we haven't tackled before. Always exciting. And when also there's a lot of room to grow and improve the site and the experience. So that is definitely something that I'm excited about and looking forward to see what the team has to do. Since there are new industries, what industries are we working with? What's Invest working in now for those two companies? So they're both service providers, different kind of services. One is more of a business automation and creation. Okay. And the other one is more moving company industry, that sort of a thing. Yeah, there are new industries. We did, oh gosh, this long time ago, I think Invest worked with kind of uh, people or companies in the legal space as well. So that's jumping back into that space. It's an interesting space, uh, a little different than our typical e-commerce or, or SaaS. Yeah, it's always nice to work with those types, new industries and kind of explore the challenges and where we can really inject our help and our improvements. I think last episode we recorded that there was like a lot of dissatisfaction with certain things that we were doing at the company. So there was a lot of like some of the employees came together and, and approached us about it. Did I talk about that? I don't know. I thought we did. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but yeah, in case we talked about it last time, because it's been two weeks. So let's give some background actually about this and then we can talk about what happened. We rolled out the roles and responsibilities. And, you know, again, like it's a change because we're now saying, okay, these are the different metrics and these are the KPIs and this is what your position entails. And then in order for us to assess whether or not you're able to uphold those roles and responsibilities, we're also introducing quarterly assessments. So it's a kind of a lot that we pushed out. You know, again, roles and responsibilities were really rolled out in end of Q4. And the assessments were then decided on beginning of Q. And so what, I guess now we're mid Q1, I think we're still conducting the assessments, having gone through them. But not everybody was super happy with that. And there's a lot of backlash, a lot of discussion internally between the employees about it. What were the main points of dissatisfaction? I think for a lot of people were like, hey, if you're going to assess us, then 
and we're going to be held to these metrics and you should give us like a bonus based on that. And then additionally, why do I need to sign the document of the rules and responsibilities? Those are the, the two that kind of stick out. I don't know if there's anything else that you could think of. No, I think those on who conducts the assessments, I think that was a cut another. That was a big thing too, because, you know, again, like we had changed our whole structure. And this was again in Q4, where we said that the most important role that we have right now that's client facing, that's dealing with everything is the CRO. So making sure that the pod follows that structure where the CRO is the lead and everybody's following along, that was a big change. And it didn't really fully get implemented. We talked to the CROs about it. But then once the assessments came, A is the CROs kind of felt a little bit more empowered and they also recognized the responsibility that they had. And the team members realized, oh, wait, they're the ones that are going to be assessing me. So for somebody, for example, that's in development or QA, they're like, oh, what do they know about what we do? The way that we handled it was we gathered the team members that were displeased and we said, hey, look, these are the roles and responsibilities. There are some jobs that invest that are bonus jobs, some jobs that aren't bonused. That's just just the nature of our business and the way that we do things. The way that we assess you, it's like a self-growth thing. Your pod lead, because they are from a business perspective, super vital and important to the success of the company and they're held accountable to that and holding on to their clients. That's why they're in that position. And, you know, like just explain and told them that the reason why we want people to sign also is to feel accountable. Like I'm going to, I know I understand these metrics and I am going to work towards them. Like everybody's flipping a new page to do that. For the most part, that seemed to help quell some of the dissatisfaction and ensure that people went back. It's not fully there. I guess for the most part, people were satisfied with the answers. Holding people accountable is challenging. So not only now that I'm telling you the roles and responsibilities, but I'm also holding you accountable. And I'm going to actually do the quarterly reviews, which we have not done before. It was never a formalized process. What's your feedback on the quarterly review process? How has that been going? What was the feedback that you got? Do you like it? You don't like it? So I did the quarterly assessments for the CROs, and that went pretty good. I had a very positive response from the team members and everything like that. Now, they are responsible to do the quarterly reviews for everybody else. I actually haven't gotten a full update. Last time I spoke to some of the CROs, they had done some and not all. The ones that they did do seem to have gone well. Yeah, and I think like the accountability piece is also interesting because it's just like, well, you know, Sometimes when you set a standard and like it just depends on when you're trying to change the culture of your company or move into a different direction, become a lot more focused on, hey, growth and accountability and all that good stuff. It's not a change that everybody wants. And so it's one of those things where you have to determine, okay, sometimes the boat goes in a certain direction and not everybody wants to hop on. And I guess it's just that's the part of the growing pains of any type of company. But also figuring out those that don't want to hop on but aren't haven't really fully hopped off, what do you do in that particular situation? So let me ask you this question because you you are in the midst of this. So one thing that we use like every other business stock and speech as a company with the 30 employees and 50 employees, 100 employees, everybody says one thing. And I'm almost certain you're going to say the same thing, but nonetheless, I will ask it. They always tell you, you should work on your company's culture from day one and you should not have waited. We've waited to some extent. So culture develops, whether you know, you're working on it consciously or subconsciously. Ruth, 
armed with all the information that you have right now and the roles and responsibilities, and I know it's work in progress. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, you should really work on your company culture from day one. Here's how we do things. Here's our ways of working. Here are the expectations that we have. I mean, I think it's helpful too, but I also think that when you start a company, there's expectations of certain things and people say you should do this and you should do that. It's just not always the way that things happen. And the reality is our company also, like, just think about it from the early days till now, the size has varied tremendously. So it was a two-man, three-man show for very long. So what kind of culture can you have with your three men? So I just think that's also, I think it's just because of the nature of how we grew. I don't know that we could have done things tremendously different. The other thing that also comes to mind is we spent a lot of time in our office in Istanbul and that culture was so different. That whole dynamic was different. And then you go to a remote, completely remote situation. So I also think that you kind of have to keep all that in mind. Like you can't blame the fact that we just didn't necessarily like work on all these aspects earlier on. Again, I'm sure there are certain things that we could have put in place and we could have improved on. I'm not saying there's so many errors and things that we could have done better. But I just think when it comes to the culture, we also faced a lot of different phases of the company, which all require a different type of culture. Would you, reflecting at the process right now, somebody comes to you, I'm just starting out. What's one thing you would tell them as they're hiring and bringing on more people and as they're expanding? Of all the different things that we've introduced, what's the one thing that you'll say, there are many things, but what's the top priority you think that you tell them, make sure that you do this? Is there one thing, actually? Maybe the premise of the question is incorrect. I can't really think of what that one thing is. I don't know. <laughs> what is it that you would do? You can share. Maybe you've thought of that. I do think one thing that's fixed by learned from Invest is the roles and responsibilities. Because we did not previously, and now, for any new hire, we're like, okay, here's your roles and responsibilities. We use that in our ads, and then we, we evaluate employees based on that. No, again, I'm not saying it wasn't helpful. Other things, I mean, the podcast situation has been going. So I'm booked today to get interviewed by the person that's going to feature me on their podcast again. So what's the podcast situation? I didn't really understand that. I had spoken. Again, I based my notes based on last episode, folks. So I'm picking up from last episode. I talked about that we were starting to pitch me to different podcasts. Okay. So where we're at... (laughs) is we've gotten some podcasts slotted and now it's just a matter of getting onto those podcasts. So I've booked interviews and whatnot. I was going to give a quarterly assessment update, but I guess I already did. And then we've been going through ups and downs of PM. We actually hired an assistant PM and then within a few days, didn't work out. They had an emergency and they had to go. Is this horrible to say? Okay, I have to say it though. I've always, it's horrible. It's going to come out as because I've let go of somebody previously. And they're like, oh, you don't understand. But lots of times we hire contractors and this was not a contractor. This was a full time. And somehow something bad happens to them within the first two, three days. And my theory, which I am almost willing to bet up to 90%, they start the work and they're like, oh gosh, what have I signed up for? And then instead of saying, hey, this is not a good fit. Oh, my grandmother died. Oh, like I need to go to the hospital. It's funny because I remember, this is a long time ago, this 2000 hired somebody through, back then it was not even called Upwork, I forgot what it was called. Odesk, that's what it was called. And hired somebody, is my grandmother passed away. And I'm like, okay, so he disappears. And then he comes back, he's, oh, my grandmother passed away. 
I'm like, dude, your grandmother passed away like a month ago. He's like, oh, this is my other grandmother. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And then by the third time, I'm like, okay, no, just, just go away. We don't want to continue. So this person did not work out with them, unfortunately. They had an emergency and you know what? I don't want to cast doubt on anything. I feel like, okay, like people have their legitimate issues. There was definitely things that were odd. Like, for example, one of the first things I noticed about this person was that whenever they were on camera, there was like a flashing light always. And they're like, oh, I don't see anything. And I'm like, how can you not see it? Like, it's all on the video screen. We all see what you see. Like, I don't know. It was weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, What was your explanation for that? So, like, you know, what, what you- it's something with their camera and they're going to look into it. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, so it didn't work out, but we have to now find a PM. There was a previous PM, and I think we've talked about this PM and some, kind of some of the struggles that we've had. But he actually have, has decided to move on to another opportunity. So we're really like need to find a new PM ASAP because we've the entire team has shrunk, the PM team. Those are my updates. Khaled, how about you? Oh, gosh. Busy 14 weeks. Days, you mean? Yeah, 14 days. Sorry. Yeah. It feels like 14 weeks. There's a big difference between 14 weeks and 14 days, though. I know. I know. We have a videographer on staff who's absolutely amazing. He had worked with some of the really big influencers on YouTube. And we've had him without any work for the last month or so. Actually, probably even more than a month. So he sent me and Simba a message saying, hey, guys, if you don't plan on recording any videos, I really cannot continue because he's just not doing anything, which was a hint for me that, okay, you got to sit there and record videos. Previously, I've told you, you just give me the topic, I get on camera and I just record. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's a painful process. I usually try and record seven, eight videos. The first video is just very painful because it might take me an hour to record. So I decided, you know what, instead of just getting on camera and just talking uh, without even putting an outline, let me just write the scripts, which meant I was busy writing a lot of scripts. But as I went through the process of trying to come up with different topics as well, I did a lot of research and I started with 11 different video scripts ideas. I think it expanded to about 30 or 40. Now it's just a matter of bunkering down and putting them together and then spending a day, couple of days recording, maybe continue to record some of those videos, which will be excellent. It's such a painful process, if I might say, although YouTube has been great for FigPi because people hear about us, they watch our videos and they end up signing for FigPi. So it's been absolutely great. We are halfway through Q1. Scary how time flies six weeks into it. So what I've been doing is spending time with marketing and sales, reviewing our progress for Q1, how much money we spent, what kind of results we were getting, what do we stay on track? What did we do correctly that we need need to keep on doing? What are the things that we did that we really did not do well, so we need to do them better? What are the things that we've done that we should stop doing? Lots of questions there and having very honest conversation to say, okay, this is really not working well. What's going on here? Like today was interesting with LinkedIn and the strategy there. The budget that you guys had put, that was just for Q1. It was a Q1 budget, but we already have gone through more than half. Yeah. And to me, in all honesty, I expected that. In my initial thought on the LinkedIn budgets, and and it was very small, by the way. It was $8,000. We can share that. That was too small. That was my first thought. But I'm like, okay, you know what? We'll, We'll see. And the problem with LinkedIn, first, it's an expensive platform. Second, You have all these courses that tell you, oh, here's what you need to do with LinkedIn. Here's the advertising method and here's what works. And when you have a small budget, you you really can't afford to spend your money trying different methods. So you just need to analyze and choose one and experiment with it. And you bet that you chose the right one. It doesn't look like it, but I can't even say that with confidence right now that we chose the wrong one. 
it might be a little too early. We are going to be analyzing that. One of the things that I've done, which is funny, I ask people, hey, is there a good course, somebody who has done a LinkedIn Academy advertising that I can talk to? So they directed me towards one, one company that offers that. And one thing that I do, which I always tell our clients, whenever a prospect comes into invest or a company comes into fake buyers, I tell them, you know what, look at the testimonials. Google the, the companies and see whether they're continuing with investment. Just reach out to them directly or reach out to FitPi customers and just talk to them without me being in the middle. So thinking about that course, I'm like, well, let me just take all the names and testimonials of the people they have on their page. Now, what I, based on my analysis of the course, all the testimonials, this is strictly based on the testimonials are from people who had used them a couple of years ago, used them for three, four months and then stopped. None of them shows any type of success or continuity on LinkedIn. So that added more question marks to me instead of just jumping into and taking that course. So that's one channel when it comes to LinkedIn, since we're talking about marketing, I am thinking a good number of people who use FigPi are hanging out on Twitter or X. We did not consider X before. Does it make sense? I don't know. I have more questions than answers and probably it's going to take me another quarter to answer those questions. And of course, we have Google. Does it make sense to continue investing in Google or not? So those are all questions. But see, you've seen the numbers today. What's fascinating is the number of organic signups that we're getting. It literally in the last three weeks had doubled. And I'm sitting there. I love that. First, I appreciate all the signups for FigPi, but I'd like to know why. How are you finding us? And that's the question. And the marketing team says, we don't know. And I'm like, yeah, but I'd love to know. So I know exactly what's working. Because when you're literally like in the last three, four months, we know some of it is a result of Google Optimize going away, but okay, it's been gone for a while now, since the end of September. Why do we continue month over month of doubling the number of signups? Don't know, don't have an answer. If I have an answer, that's probably the million dollar question. That's even with invest, any type of marketing activity can't necessarily always be pinned down to only that activity. Exactly. But we know that when we stop Google ads and we stop these activities and stop uh, posting videos and stop going to conferences are obviously like our contacts dry up. So it's clearly like some sort of like combination that works. But again, to really be able to pin down everything and be like, okay, this is how I can attribute this. That's very difficult. I know attribution is always like a big. It's a huge problem. And especially when you're not getting thousands of leads every month, correct? Where you start looking at trends and figuring this out. You're getting at like, you know, a small number of leads every month. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's a more of an issue. Attribution is more of an issue for smaller companies. Exactly. Exactly. So I spent a bit of time on that. I will continue doing the review. I rolled out, by the way, the roles and responsibilities to sales, but to roll it out to marketing, had conversations about that. And then we have the dev team and their roles and responsibilities. So all of that's happened in the last 14 days. And then finally, conducting some customer interviews, a lot of customer interviews, trying to understand what do they like about FigPi? What do they use FigPi for? So there's lots of insights that come out as a result of that. So it's just regular interviews, not like a... At this point, it's just one-on-one -on -one customer interviews. It's funny because I do the customer interviews and I'm also jumping on sales calls for FigPi. So it's a combination. So every week I probably have anywhere and I handle very small percentage, you handle the majority. So I'm usually doing anywhere between five to 10, but that's always insightful to say, oh, here's the feature that people are looking for. They couldn't really care less. And I wish that can come out and say, this is the one feature that we have to implement. Different companies look for different things and they use the platform in so many different ways. You know, it's just interesting to gather all those insights because 
we've already put our plan for Q1, Q2. I'm working through that, but we will do an assessment again of that plan to say, hey, as we dug deep into the code in certain areas, do we need to modify the plan accordingly? We shall see, but that's how I spent the last 14 days. Now my turn to ask you big lessons and I'll combine that with plans for next week. So big lessons are, you have to know, I think as a business owner, the right moment to pull the plug. And it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's a hard lesson to learn. And I think it requires a lot of wisdom and restraint. The other big lesson is that people sometimes aren't able to grow within your growth. As you grow, they're not able to grow as well. And that's okay. And they're they make that decision on their own, which is always just part of the process. Next week plans, I have to finish my deck that I'm supposed to be presenting at the end of the week, which is not good. I haven't finished that yet. I'm waiting to hear back from all the CROs and their assessments and how it went. And then I'm going to continue looking for an assistant project manager. Khaled. Sounds an easy week. Just kidding. It's, each one of those is a full week worth of work. Big lesson for me. Kind of like icebergs, I told you that when you are trying to change the company culture, there's always one person, there's a group that think that they are immune to the change that you are making. I was at some point that iceberg, right? I remember the first job I mentioned this working for CP and I thought, I'm not replaceable. I'm so important to this project. Guess what? The whole project is not important compared to all the other projects going on with the company. Had to learn that the hard way. Hey, everybody's replaceable. The company does not own you, but at the same time, it does not owe you. Sometimes that mentality is just really not good for somebody within the company uh, to have that mentality within the company. And I think those people can be poisonous to the culture of the company. And I think having a very clear conversation, here's what I expect and making very hard decisions is all about establishing and being very conscientious about how you create the company culture. That's just very important. For next week, my plan, I plan on recording the videos. Hopefully I'm able to record the videos. I had talked about hiring sales candidates, so we have the job posting up. So we'll start interviewing a whole bunch of sales candidates. We figured out how much we want to pay them. We figured out the bonus structure, the incentive structure. I'm excited to see who we're going to interview and how good they are. And also we have another position that's open with Fake Five, which is customer success managers. We are conducting more interviews. So it's more interviews. Team is expanding. It's exciting. But I was worried when you expand the team, you just... You're betting, correct, that this person that you're bringing is the right person and that they're going to succeed. I'm always rooting for them, but it's kind of a 50-50, not less than 50, maybe a 70-30, 70% success rate, 30% fail rate. But it worries you because you invest a lot of time, effort, money, and just worry about, about bringing somebody new. But that is it. And until next time, I want to ask anybody who's listening to this podcast, we appreciate you listening to this podcast, please share it with somebody who will find it, who you think will find it interesting. And until next time. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode from Bootstrap. If you learned something new from this podcast or got some useful insights, we would really appreciate it if you leave us a review. Until next time.